Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, we got Rob Berger. Rob's a good friend of mine. Rob, you're a deputy editor at Forbes. You are the founder of All Cards. Uh, You are the author of a book, Retire Before Mom and Dad. And you also have an interesting background in that you started one of the uh, kind of seminal personal finance websites called Dough Roller and ended up selling it. Uh, and, uh, I would imagine you sold it for a fair amount of dough. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And then we'll also maybe just talk a little bit about, um, kind of opportunity that, that exists right now, um, to, to kind of help and, and provide some leadership during this time. But Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Josh, thanks for having me. All right. So how did you get into, uh, kind of the personal finance space? Well, uh, so I was practicing law. You know, I went to law school and was a lawyer in Washington, D.C., and I got kind of bored, and my wife said, you need to get a hobby. And um, so that kind of led me to starting a personal finance blog as just a a little thing I would do on the side. Mm -hmm. And I got addicted to it, frankly. I I was up at 5 a.m. every day, seven days a week for years working on this thing, writing about personal finance, investing, managing your money, and that's how it got started. You know, as an attorney, obviously, and you were a partner. Uh, I mean, you were a busy guy. Uh, I would imagine, you know, even though like it's fun to have hobbies, uh, you know, it it must have been challenging at times thinking, I mean, I enjoy doing this, but am I, at what point did you think, oh, I could actually make money at this? I started in the middle of 07. And I would say by the end of 2008, I knew that I I could possibly make life changing amounts of money from a blog. <laughs> I mean, you can make you can make a little bit right off the bat. You know, a few few pennies here, a few dollars there. Yeah, yeah. I was after about a year and a half. I realized that I'm onto something that could be big. I wasn't and, making tons of money then, but I was. Yeah. I had enough traction where I said, "Okay, this is serious." Yeah. In in what form does that uh, does that money happen for a website like Dough Roller? Like so what, make, what did what did you see? Oh my gosh! No, I can actually make money, money. Well, I, I can give you a specific example. This was actually early in two thousand and eight. Um, I started partnering with MSN, and they were uh, syndicating some of my content. I kind of just fell into that opportunity, and one day I landed on the an article landed on the homepage of MSN, and it sent my blog a ton of traffic. Wow! And I made like fifteen hundred dollars in one day in Google AdSense money, which is oh just my gosh! My ads. Right. Wow, those are the days. Right. And I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, this blogging thing can pay off. Of course, you know, that was just one day. And then it went back down to the normal $2.40 a day that I was making at that point. (laughs) But that that told me, okay, there's some real money to be made online. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, So then what do you do to continue to grow Dough Roller? And and can you kind of just explain, uh, you know, for people, just... What kind of content were you producing? What features were you offering your audience? Uh, how did that work? And then yes. how did you get picked up by MSN? 
Well, that was kind of a, a lucky thing, I guess. But the content was personal finance and investing. So I was writing content on helping people manage their money, whether it's how to invest in your 401k, how to improve your credit score, how to get out of debt, whatever. MSN, they reached out to me, actually. And to be honest, I don't know how they found me. They just found mm-hmm. Dough Roller and thought, well, here's a quirky little website and um, reached out to me. I mean, it was really just chance. But, you know, one thing is the harder you work, the luckier you get. And um, so, you know, it happens if you keep at it. But yeah, it was just kind of luck that I connected with MSN. But since then, I've connected with Forbes. I've, yeah. you know, I've had, you know, Yahoo Finance. So other relationships over time develop. It just, you just got to keep putting in the work. Mm-hmm. And, and tell me about the content that you're producing on Dough Roller. So it was, again, all personal finance content. It was mainly long form articles on how to do certain things, how to improve your credit score, how to invest was a big topic for me as it is today. Yeah. And then eventually I, you know, I started a podcast in 2013 and I didn't do much with video. It's funny. I'm now doing, I now am, am really focused on a YouTube channel that I've started on investing. Mm. But when I owned Dough Roller, I sold it in 2018. When I owned it, I didn't really do much with the video but podcasts and long form educational content. Yeah. Um, in terms of, and is, I would imagine, is it because you enjoy doing that more or is that kind of where can you see readers and consumers kind of looking or gravitating toward there? Maybe there's a bigger opportunity for that. You mean in terms of video today? Yeah, right, right. The, the right. format for content. So I, to, to me, the, um, the question I would get often is, I hear what you're saying in an article or in a podcast, but I need to see it. If you're going to go to morningstar.com, for example, and evaluate a mutual fund, I want to actually see you. I want to look over your shoulder, Rob, and see you do it. Well, you know, that yeah. gets us to video. So I've started doing a lot of screencasts where people can look mm-hmm. over my shoulder and see me working with a spreadsheet or with a, some online tool, or, you know, or whatever the case may be. And that seems to resonate with folks. That, that they find that uh, helpful. Nice. Okay. So uh, now, uh, you know, with Dough Roller, your audience is growing. It sounds like you're getting more and more opportunities to syndicate your content. Um, Do you think that they, it was because of the quality of your content or the quantity that that you started uh, creating these relationships? That's you've just asked the the, the $64,000 question. (laughs) I think it's, well, I think both matter. But, but, but quality has got to be first among equals, right? Yeah. And, and the reason I don't, quantity matters. You can't have a, a good website about investing with three articles. It's just not going to be enough. Mm. But you also don't need three million. But if you don't have quality, you might as well just stop what you're doing. Uh, so quality absolutely has to be there. Um, and I think in the early days, that was the most important thing. But over time, you need to, you know, you need to cover the topic thoroughly, and that requires quantity. Mm. So, it's, you know, so, by the way, the same thing with YouTube. I'm really just getting started with my channel. And I like to think I'm doing quality videos, but I've only got about a half a dozen. Right. So I shouldn't expect to be a YouTube star. Well, maybe ever, but certainly not with six <laughs> videos, right? Yeah. It's just not enough quantity. People need more information. And it's true whether it's a podcast, you know, or written content. How often are you producing content for YouTube now? So I'm at least doing What's one. the goal anyway? Yeah. So the goal is actually three videos a week. Yes, I've heard that. So, and, and I've heard this uh, several times now where if you can produce three or more videos a week and you can do that for about four months straight, then there's some sort of a magical club uh, that YouTube 
it's not, you know, it's not massive initially, but you start to get recommended more and you start showing up higher and higher in searches. Um, YouTube likes content producers that are consistent is what I've heard. And it makes perfect sense. They don't want to be recommending someone only to see them stop producing videos and have no more content. But mm-hmm. I, I'm happy to come back on the show four months from now and let you know if that's if that yeah, worked right. out. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So when did the book start? And was the book just a kind of a natural outgrowth of the, the, the blog content? Yeah, I wanted to do a book forever. And I really found the time after I sold Door Roller to finish it. And it started out, you know, it's called Retire Before Mom and Dad, the simple numbers behind a lifetime of financial freedom. It, it was originally money math the simple numbers behind a lifetime of financial freedom. And people said they don't like math. And then I, so I said, okay, fine. We won't call it math. And then, but then I changed the title because I really wanted to hook in the younger folks who are just out of high school, just out of college. I mean, the book really applies to anyone at, at any age, but I wanted to get folks. I, what I said was I want to put Dave Ramsey out of business. That's my mm. goal. So he <laughs> people, if you think about his typical person, it's someone in their thirties or forties have completely screwed up their finances, right? Yeah. So my goal is to eliminate those kind of people. Right. If we get them when they're 20 before they can make all those mistakes, then Dave can just retire and enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't I don't think great? he's I don't think his business is at risk, though, because of my book. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest here. Like, likely not. He's, he's yeah. still he still still seems to be cranking along. <laughs> yeah. uh, so then how do you rise to the position where you become the dep- a, a deputy? You got deputized somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who deputized you? Well, and what did that mean? So I started contributing for Forbes like five years ago, and I had a very good relationship with Forbes. When I sold Dole Roller, I mentioned it to the folks at Forbes just saying, hey, I've sold Dole Roller, so I'm probably going to have even more time to do some writing for you. And like they called me the next day and said, well, wait a minute. We actually want to hire you as an employee, not just as a contributor. And I, I, I manage, I've actually just, um, uh, we've hired my replacement effectively. But um, I managed uh, sort of personal finance and investing content on Forbes.com, you know, for a couple of years. And I'm still there and I'll still have a role, but I told them I wanted to transition to someone else so that I can focus on those three YouTube videos a week mm-hmm. that I need to produce um, and some other things. But it's been great. People there are, are, are wonderful to work with. I've enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, excellent. Um, so the Roller's doing really well. Uh, yeah. Tell Not me that about- it's mine anymore, but yeah, it's doing Right, right, right. right. I, no, no, yeah. no, no. But, but I'm saying that at, you know, under your stewardship, it's it's going back a little bit. How did the how did the exit and acquisition happen? I mean, I, I think that that's the the dream of some bloggers. Like yeah. you know, someone someone in the deep pockets is going to come along and saying, uh, "How much?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are there are a lot of buyers for for personal finance blogs. You just have to have enough revenue. Yeah. Uh, if you you know, they're probably wanting uh, certainly mid six figures in revenue and preferably seven just because it's hard for them to take on a smaller site, a bigger mm-hmm. company. Um, so if you can get, you know, that kind of revenue, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to sell. But in my case, I wasn't looking to sell it. I had a bunch of companies uh, reach out to me and, and that happened off and on for years. But when I actually ended up selling it, I had two or three all at the same time, within, you know, a couple of weeks reach out. And I think they just find you because they see you're ranking well in, in search engines. You're ranking well for uh, whatever the topic is in Google, and they kind of can guesstimate what kind of revenue that's generating, or, the, or that yeah. they could generate with that traffic, and they reach out to you. It would take a. It, it's it's smart for them because it would take a lot of effort to try to come. Yeah, you know, to, to gain. The, I mean, you think about you know the the time that it takes 
to develop all that content and then you know to get it to rank like it like it does uh it could be much more economical well, for them to just make a purchase well and if you think about a company that say is valued at 15 times their earnings right and mm-hmm. they can acquire a blog at four or five six seven times earnings or even mm-hmm. 10 times earnings right well they've just added to their bottom line and increased the value of their company just from the acquisition even if they don't increase revenue to the blog yeah. so it makes a lot of sense for some of the larger companies um, and then like in terms of the exit then, uh, you know, why these guys? Well, I had a couple of different offers and it was a combination of the best offer and who I thought would continue to maintain the site in a way that, um, you know, I, I could be proud of. And did you, did they say, I mean, you know, I guess one thing that would be uh, of concern would be, do you come along with, like if, if Doe Roller is attached to your brand, like your personal name and brand, yeah. uh, you know, how does that get handled? Is that just like a, hey, over two, three years, we're going to kind of phase you out a little bit more. Is that how that worked? Or were you always just kind of hidden behind the scenes? Well, when I, at the time I sold it, most of the content was, been, was being written and published under other people's names. I mean, I oh, had wow. plenty of content on there, but I had a team of people helping me. Yeah. And I was happy that virtually everyone went to the new company. Mm. So everyone that wanted to did. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was happy about that. So, you know, there was a transition period. I still record the Door Roller Money podcast. So I'm still associated with it in that regard, even though I don't own the podcast anymore. And um, there was a transition where I continued to run the site, but it was very short, a few months, as I recall. Um, oh, wow. and it, but it varies. Some people want folks to stay on for a year or two to run it. It just mm-hmm. depends on what each party wants to do and what gets negotiated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so then you're kind of on a non-compete. And, and uh, if you, I, I don't mean to spill the beans on anything. You're like, oh, Josh, come on. You can't talk no, no, about you're that. you're good. Okay. Uh, but now you've launched all cards. Right. Can, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so allcards.com is a site I've actually owned for a long time, but it sat there dormant. And yeah. um, I'll tell you what it is. So there's a lot of credit card sites out there, a lot of banking sites. Um, on the, in the credit card space, a lot of travel stuff and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to do is show people how you can take something as simple as cash back rewards and actually turn it into a pile of cash if rather than spending it to take an eight-hour first-class plane ride, which no one's doing now anyway, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You actually save it, the money, and invest it. And so I actually do that. My wife and I take all of our credit card rewards and invest it in a low-fee Vanguard mutual fund. And we've got a five-figure portfolio, um, which is relatively small if you think about it in terms of retirement, after just a year and a half. Um, and I'm confident it'll go to six figures just from credit card rewards. <laughs> and I know it sounds silly, like, wait a minute, one, two percent, how can that be six figures? But compounding is a beautiful thing, Josh. Yeah. And it's so, so I kind of use all cards as a way to sort of teach that um, and, you know, talk about the landscape of banking and credit cards. And then that's, you know, kind of a geeky little thing of mine that I enjoy doing. Um, so working with credit cards can be, it can be pretty lucrative, right? If you've got some decent traffic. It can be. I mean, right now, all cards is not, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, credit cards is um, for better or worse. I think there's a downside to this as well, but I think credit cards is extremely lucrative. Unfortunately, any debt product can be extremely yeah. lucrative. Right. I say unfortunately because I think, you know, I, credit cards can be a good thing, but they can also be a bad thing mm-hmm. um, and, and can get people into a lot of financial trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, very, it's a very lucrative a vertical. Sure, sure. Uh, and so 
and just speaking of that, um, let's kind of just shift just a little bit to talk about, uh, you know, as of when we're recording this right now, you know, we're getting into the second half of April. Uh, and so, you know, everyone's kind of been on various levels of lockdown um, for m- most of us, like 30 days or so. Uh, and, uh, you know, what is your best guess? I mean, no one has the crystal ball. What's your best guess on the economy? Like, do you yeah. think that there are going to be long-term painful consequences or are you a little bit more optimistic that we should rebound? And if so, what do you base that on? Yeah. So I think there will be long-term effects from this, not unlike the Great Depression, where it affected a generation's view about money. I think, frankly, in a positive way, mm-hmm. one, one could argue. Uh, uh, obviously, the circumstances here are different, but we're not going to go back to normal, if normal, if we think about that in terms of before COVID-19, until social interaction goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. Right? And social interaction is not going to go back to normal, I don't believe, this year. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to stay the way it is right now. Uh, we don't know what kind of medicine is going to be developed. Uh, we don't know how this, you know, the COVID-19, what course it's going to run. You know, is it going to, is it going to flare up again in the fall and winter? Uh, are we going to develop immunity? If we have it, you know, we don't know that. So those are all unknowns. But even if, you know, we're, we're allowed out of our homes uh, in a month or two, how many of us are going to crowd into a movie theater side by side strangers the day after? Yeah, so, some people will. Some people would probably do that today if they could. But I think a lot of us are not going to want to be cramped inside an airplane for a while. You know, if you yeah. think about 9-11, it took about, what, I think two years for the airline industry to get back to where it was before 9-11. Mm we've got a long haul in front of us to, yeah. to get back to normal. And, and that's going to affect the economy. It's going to affect um, the profitability of companies when we think about our investments. I, by the way, I haven't changed my investment strategy one bit. Haven't sold a single share of anything. This is a great time to invest. Anytime you go into a bear market, yeah. this is where you make your money. You yeah. don't make your money in a bull market. Mm. You make your money by what you do in a bear market. And the best thing to do is just you know, stand there and do nothing. <laughs> keep just keep doing what you're doing, um, right? But yeah, I think I, I don't know how severe the, everything's going to get, but I think we're in for a. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Uh, if you are as a business owner, like, what would you recommend to other business owners? Uh, in because you were. I mean, you know, you remember 2008, yeah. I mean, I was, I was a business owner that, I mean, Savings Angel, that's how we grew to a six figures a month uh, is because of uh, the recession yeah. in 2008, because we offered a solution that helped people uh, who wanted to save money at the grocery store needed to, you know, using coupons, that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, I was also self-employed during um, 9-11 uh, and it's major disruption when these things happen. And when there's disruption, I think there is incredible opportunity, but you can't, you can't be Machiavellian about it. You, you have to, uh, my own opinion is that how can I show up? How can I serve? Can I do this in a way that consumers are looking for right now? So for example, you know, more consumers than ever, the PR industry was just ravaged. Like, uh, if I'm like in our, like the, you know, PR professionals group, the Facebook group, it's, a, I feel so, I mean, it's a bloodbath, but these guys were relying on these, you know, these big budget clients and the big budget, the big, they're gone, the budgets are gone. And so now these agencies are laying off all their people. 
And so, well, what do those companies want? What can they afford? What can they buy? How can we solve those problems in a way that meets consumers where they are? I mean, that's kind of my thinking on that. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give? What other advice would you give to business owners? Yeah, my first thing is you've got to absolutely do your best to control and uh, your cash flow. Because it's kind of yeah. like you know putting on your your uh, your air mask, oxygen mask before you help someone else. So you can't help your consumer if you end up going under. And so you know I would get the I would get the expense side of your 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 uh, income statement as low as you possibly can while still maintaining your business. That's one of the nice things about the business I'm in is that there's almost no expense. It's my time. That's my biggest expense is my time. But in any yeah. event. You got to you got to manage cash flow, or you're not going to survive. My sister is a, a commercial and residential painter. She owns a company, and that's you know kind of the mode she's in. She's doing it quite well, but it's not easy. And so that's the first thing you got to take care of your business so that it'll it'll survive. If if you can survive these difficult times, mm-hmm. I think most businesses come out much stronger mm-hmm. because first of all, a lot of businesses unfortunately won't survive. Yeah, and that's just it's true in every business. Yeah, it's uh, in every industry. And so if you can survive this and, and, and continue to do the things, whatever your business is, in my case, it's producing good content, right? That's my business. So if I can continue to do that, even recognizing I won't make much money in 2020, that's okay. I mean, all the credit card issuers, almost all of them are not advertising anymore. They're gone, right? And many of the banks are gone. But if I can keep producing great content and building the site and interacting, like you say, giving consumers the information they need to get through these difficult times, I'll come out of this all the more all the stronger as a business. Um, not easy to do, but I think that's that's how I look at it. In fact, 08 and 09 was a great time for me, even though, again, it didn't make a lot of money. It set me up for when the economy improved and advertisers uh, came back. Yeah. Um, well, Rob, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, and, um, you know, someone, obviously, we kind of talked about all cards, um, you know, your book, um, we retired before mom and dad, anything else that uh, your you, new YouTube channel, like where, where would someone go if they're like, I like this guy, it sounds pretty smart. And, uh, and uh, where would be a good place for them to kind of well, begin? Uh, oh, your podcast as well. Um, where, where would where would you uh, recommend people come check you out? Well, I would say YouTube. If you go to YouTube and just search Rob Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R, you'll find me. And um, I think that's where I'm going to be focusing most of my attention in terms of, you know, videos and trying to help people. I've done a lot actually on COVID-19 and, the you know, the stimulus payments, the mortgage relief, the student relief, but heavy focus on investing and sort of money management. But yeah. anyway, I would say YouTube. Um, I'm on Twitter too. You can find me there. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Rob Berger, thank you so much again, author of Retired Before Mom and Dad, uh, the uh, owner of All Cards, and now prolifically, uh, soon to be prolifically found (laughs) on YouTube. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? 
where we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm -hmm.